What's up, guys, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Neo Vintage Podcast. I'm Jabril, and I'm with Steve. Hope everyone's doing well. And for you guys who have never seen the show before, we're just two guys that like to talk over the biggest stories in gaming, and we always like to start off with what we've been playing. So, Steve, what have you been playing? So, I've just been playing two uh, things right now. Actually, I'm trying to clear out my docket instead of playing 100 things at once. So, still playing Star Wars Squadrons, okay. and I'm, I'm enjoying it. It gets very, very samey, which kind of sucks. Because once you find like the ship you want to fly and the style you want to fly, it's kind of it. It is interesting where you can like change like some of like you know you can move your energy to like focus on your shields or focus on your speed or and your like actual firepower and stuff. So that's kind of cool, but like like the story is just kind of there and it's not, it is an interesting story, but it's something that I wouldn't recommend someone have to go out and buy this game for. So it's a little sucks there and then like there's so many like so little like modes and i was like well they're gonna put in uh other modes and stuff there's no reason they shouldn't and of course they announced i think it was yesterday or the day before they're like no the game is as it is no more modes are coming no events wing you know new ships or styles or maps and so it's a little weird that they just kind of just dropped it they already said like that team who made the game is already on the next project so it's like kind of I'm like ah all right because I'm like I I haven't beat the story because there's only so much of just kind of playing first person in a cockpit that's like exciting. So once that phases out, it's a little bit weird. But I go back to it every once in a while. The other game I've been playing, which I've been really enjoying, and I, I don't think I told you I even got this. Uh, so I did end up getting Crash Bandicoot Four. Oh, I was wondering if you were. And this game is so good. Oh my goodness, good super, super, super good. I know you and I were very, uh, you know, weary on it because sixty dollars for a crash game in you know twenty twenty, it's kind of a steep asking. But toys for Bob, I got to give him a round of applause because this game feels like the most natural sequel to Naughty Dog's original trilogy. And they did like there's two main things that really help modern like put into like the more modern perspective because the game is still challenging it's not like an easy walkthrough you're not going to just blast every level one death but there's two main things that i find good so there's a retro play and a modern play obviously retro play is super to the original trilogy where you know a certain amount of lives and checkpoints and stuff like that they do have a retro play which doesn't change the difficulty of the level to my understanding i mean a modern play uh that doesn't change the difficulty to my understanding but instead of like a like a heads, it has just the death counter, so it's just gonna count how many times you die during the stage instead of you you know you lose your three lives, you gotta start the whole stage over. So gotcha. you can kind of just really keep trying and trying and learn it, and you'll start from that checkpoint that you well the newest checkpoint you hit every time. So it makes learning the game way easier, a lot less frustrating because you don't have to worry about doing the whole level again. Super nice. Also, they add a. They call it advanced shadow. So when crashes above boxes, it'll highlight your shadow like in a circle, so you know where you're gonna land. So none of this kind of guessing, sliding off the edge, oh, um, that's which you're familiar. For purist, you can turn it off. It's an option <clears throat> mode, so it's there if you need it. I put it on because these, I these you know these levels are new and stuff like that. So it's so it's there so the game is definitely playable it's also really filled with content no as of right now microtransactions to get the suits you gotta play the game and like you know hit all the boxes find the secret gem stuff like that i'm still early on where i'm just playing as crash and you can switch to coco at any time which i usually do because i don't know yeah <laughs> it's, just my, it's awesome so it's just it is what it is so i like to do that i haven't gotten to where you play as a cortex yet or dingle dial or Crash's old girlfriend, Tanya, or whatever. Tanya. I think it's Tanya. So, uh, I haven't gotten to that point yet, but really f cool, filled with content. There's got a nice little, f they call it flashback mechanic, where you find a secret tape, which unlocks another level, actually, that it's, it's supposed to be a flashback to when actually Crash was a test subject for Dr. Cortex. So, it's pr pretty cool to see that where it was, and they're really just, you know, not mini games, but like mini challenges where it's like a level straight boxes. But it's cool to see that kind of experience because we've never played, to my knowledge, Crash actually being, you know, the test subject from his experiment. So super good, super full of content. I'm really excited. I'm okay with the purchase. I was, I did use like coupons and stuff to bring it down because I was nervous about spending $60. So luckily I got coupons and all these other stuff that 
I brought the price down, but I can definitely suggest this game. It's okay. really good. So what have you been playing? Yeah, so um, I'm glad to hear Crash is, is really good too. And the, the funny thing is, before I, I say what I've been playing, I did actually watch a couple like high resolution videos of Star Wars Squadrons just to see if I could like if I can handle the video. I'm like, well, maybe I can handle the game. Nope, I'll tell you, <laughs> cannot. I was churning just from a vid- like a gameplay. Yeah. So I was like, well, for, there goes that. So yeah, I'm probably gonna look into Crash once I finish what I'm playing right now. What I've been playing right now is Control. Uh, I'm fairly deep into it right now. I've been playing a lot of it. And uh, yeah, man, I got to say, I'm really, really enjoying it. I'm really, really impressed with what they've done. I've bumped into pretty much the same issues everybody else's. It's just performance, a lot of drop frames. It's it's having trouble running. The menus Mm -hmm. don't, you know, I'm not saying anything that hasn't been said already. Um, It it makes me that more excited that when my Series X comes, I'm probably going to pop that in on there. Uh, just to see if there's any performance differences, which I'm, I mean, I can almost guarantee there will be. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. What I didn't know about it was the fact that it's so much of a Metroidvania. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of awesome exploration that you can do and backtracking and collectibles and stuff like that. So I'm really enjoying it. Uh, there's lots of, you know, quality of life improvements that they have with the menus and different things uh that I don't really use, but it's cool that they have there all these different settings that, like, if the game is too difficult for you, you could play around with. So I think that's really cool. There's a lot of accessibility options and stuff like that. Game is beautiful. Story is hard to follow, but in, like, a good way. And the best way I could describe it is, I not, nobody really, I heard say this either, is it, it there's a lot of Kojima in it. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the aesthetics of it um, are, are very unique, and it's very cinematic, and I, I love that. But in terms of the way the characters communicate with one another and all the, the anagrams like OOPs and uh, I forget the, the AWEs and all these different AWEs, terms, yeah. very Kojima-like. And they use all these this different jargon and there's floating people using all these crazy powers and it's that kind of blend between military and supernatural. So I, I didn't realize how Kojima-like it was. And uh, yeah, man, I, re- I really enjoy the game and... Uh, it's probably going to be something that I return to in the future just to see those performance differences because, again, that's like the one major critique I have of it is just how poorly it runs. And you could tell that it's just one of those things that would just be better optimized for a next-gen console. It's just pushing the hardware a little bit too far. And uh, But other than that, yeah, I, I love everything about it. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping I have a lot more left to it because I'm not sure how far I am in it but I'm, I'm really deep and a lot of the plot elements have kind of been addressed at, at this point so I'm like kind of worried I'm like I hope it doesn't end soon because I'm actually having a, a lot of fun with it yeah I don't remember because it's been a while I played that back in January <clears throat> this year yeah so I don't remember how long it took me I want to say I want to say it was like I ended up getting like sidetracked with a lot of the side missions and stuff like that because sometimes you don't really know when you're doing a side mission so I'm glad you're enjoying it because I was that game is so weird. Yeah, very. Because it's because it starts off very normal. Like, hey, I gotta find my brother who was with this company in this building, and then it's not a spoiler. Immediately you're like, oh, you're the boss. You're the new, uh, what do they call you? Not the commander, the director. The director. Yeah, and you're like, you're the director, and all the paintings are you. And I'm like, what? But I'm glad you're enjoying it because it is such a weird game. But it is so it is really solid, especially the combat. Once you get the uh, floating flying ability, yeah, just um, you, yeah, I got I got that yesterday, and I've oh yeah, played the game a few changes. Like it's, it changes. <laughs> yeah, it's really awesome. So, mm-hmm. uh, and it makes me excited to actually jump into all like the DLC content because now I get it, like with the connections to specifically like with Alan Wake and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, oh yeah. okay, I see what you guys mm-hmm. are doing here. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Everyone was like really into I'm like, if you guys played it, you see it from the get-go. Like, it's really connected to that universe. Yeah, fairly early on, I was like, oh, I know exactly what they're they're doing here. So it, it's pretty apparent. So it makes me confused as to why there was any debate at any point. Because I'm like, oh, no, no, this is definitely the Alan Wake universe you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I guess, yeah, that's everything I've been playing. So I guess we can jump into the first major story. And uh, this was one that I saw a lot of headlines about during the week. And so we finally get some clarity so we can break the story down for you guys. And it's all about the Xbox overheating or at least running hot uh, and that rumor surrounding that. So this past week, we've started to get some reports that people with early Xbox Series X units have noticed that their consoles are running pretty hot, uh, most notably on the giant Bombcast. Uh, Responding to a question on Twitter, though, Xbox Games Marketing... Uh, General Manager Aaron Greenberg said that the temperature isn't uh, significantly different than the Series X uh, exhaust compared to the Series 1X. 
It's so hard with these names. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he added that he hadn't experienced significant heat with the console he has at home either. Now, this was a very interesting story, obviously, because they emphasized so much about how air circulation is going to work with this. I mean, it has this giant monolith fan structure to it like a pc tower and it filters everything mm-hmm. into this giant fan upwards so it running hot ran as a surprise to a lot of people because if there was one thing we thought that this machine was not going to do it's going to run hot but it seems like according from from aaron greenberg at xbox that this is not going to be a major thing that differentiates it uh from the one x so i guess at least for now maybe they just had early builds of the console and stuff like that because from what i saw on the giant bombcast is he pulled out that little seagate drive on the back and apparently it was uncomfortably hot and that his console gets really really warm but again it's an early build it could not have been optimized for what they were doing quite yet and then when people get retail units uh it'll be like you know the full air circulation that we'll come to expect from the series x so did you see this story floating around yeah so i saw so I saw it when it was like trending, and then I was like, "Well, I only know two influencers that I follow consistently that I know who have it." So I went and saw it kind of funny. They did post something about it, yep. and then Alana Pierce, so who was formerly IGN, I know she had one too. So and then who I guess she now does the Xbox podcast for kind of funny or yes. whatever. Yeah, she's on. So it. so I checked their out, and they're like, "Yeah, it runs." They're like. The wording's very weird because they were pretty much honest. They're like, "Well, it runs warm, but not hot." Like some people were like super over exaggerating that it was like changing the temperature in your bedrooms and stuff like that. And I'm like, guys, come on. I mean, some of the strongest PCs aren't gonna change your your temperature in your room. You know, I didn't b- believe it essentially because they really built the system for that. Like that yeah. top half is to really let all the air out. I'm not sure if people are. Ex- what they're expecting and then when i saw uh aaron greenberg like no it it runs as hot as the xbox one i'm not one of those guys that once i'm done playing for hours i go and touch my systems i've never (laughs) touched my playstation 4 pro or my even my playstation 4 pro when i was playing the last of us and that thing was revving like crazy at no point did i want to go touch it i don't i don't know and i obviously i've touched it like to put a wire in or move something and it's been warm and it's been, you know, warm, never hot, like hot to the touch, hot where I had to put a fan on. So I saw people really just kind of, I was surprised on how many people were kind of just jumping on the story, especially the people who didn't have Xbox Series. Most of the people who had them were like, yeah, I mean, it runs hot, but it's a very strong console. Like, they're like, have you guys seen PCs? My PC gets uh, distinctively hot when I'm playing certain games. Uh, the hottest I've ever got, I think, is when I was playing Hellblade oh, okay. on PC. Yeah, it's so very it demanding. It was very demanding. It was, you know, the fans were running. I'm like, I don't know what people were expecting with this kind of power. Obviously, it's going to run. It may run a little warmer than your current gen, I I guess. But to the point where it's like, I guess people are just really scared sometimes with Microsoft. The whole Red Ring series, you know, situation that happened with the 360 launch. I guess people are kind of just looking or hoping there's a big flop for Xbox Overheating is obviously something they knew from the get-go to avoid. You don't want to launch systems like that. So I don't think it's anything to worry about. Most people who have it are saying that it's not really anything to worry about. So I'm okay with keeping an eye on it, keeping my ear to the ground. Obviously, we have, we're have we still four weeks, five weeks away from launch. If there is a heating issue, it's going to come to fruition pretty quickly, especially once some of these... Uh, you know, deadlines start opening up and, and all these NDAs and all that kind of stuff start hitting their lines. If there is a heating problem, we're going to know. These guys are not going to just let Xbox sell a bunch of these systems with heating problems. Yeah. I don't think it's anything to be too up in arms about right now. Yeah, Cyberpunk will let us know fairly fast whether there's a heat issue with this console. Um, and yeah, people yeah. were pretty overzealous with this story. I think a lot of this is very obviously apprehensiveness left over from the 360 era. I think yeah. people, when you start saying Xbox and heat, people start freaking out just because of all the red ring issues, obviously, with the overheating and the adhesive and stuff like that. And that since has been remedied, obviously, since then. But people obviously are like a little bit apprehensive still about that concept. So the moment someone says like, hey, it's running a little warm, people are pretty freaked out because I guess if the way they're thinking is like, hey, if it's running warm now playing backwards compatible games, imagine when we start running like current gen and next gen games yeah. like... That's probably yep. where the fears come from. Uh, but as of right now, they said that it's not an issue. This is, has been a couple people's isolated 
experience with a couple early builds so it's something to keep your eye out on but as of right now i don't think there's any real cause for concern yeah and we'll again like i said we'll hear soon if there is a problem definitely okay so uh nice little story you know playstation is really you know drip driving us um information so finally we have some backwards compatibility details from playstation themselves so playstation has given us a lot of new information regarding backwards compatibility on the ps5 they've always reiterated that 99 percent of ps4 games will be playable on day one we didn't really know what that meant on what it was but luckily they finally decided to open up so ps4 titles are obviously getting to be running better on ps5 through backwards compatibility even the games that don't have necessarily a next-gen upgrade so obviously you know loading scenes and all that kind of stuff will be running better like you said earlier i'm excited to try out i have control on playstation because i got it on sale so i'm excited to hopefully play that on my ps5 just to run better if i can pause and unpause and not get motion sickness i'll be fine with that yeah That's that my weird thing. jitter thing it does yeah that, yeah super super weird um, obviously improving more stable frame rates and things like that unlocking frame rates uh, frame rates dynamic resolution up to 4k and additionally ps4 games will also take advantage of some of ps5's new ux features uh, vr games are compatible they did release a list which is way way smaller than i thought of the i guess one percent of the games that don't work and uh, so you have afro samurai 2 revenge of kuma volume 1 which is a delisted Afro Samurai game. You can't even buy that game anymore. The other volumes were canceled. I forgot this game even existed. I thought this was a PS3 game. <laughs> um, you have uh, Just Deal With It, which I think is a card game you play with your phone. Shadow Complex Remastered, which is two of the... Actually, there's only two games on that surprised me on here. Uh, Robinson The Journey, which is a PSVR game. We Sing, Joe's Diner, Hitman Go, Definitive Edition, and... and uh, DWVR, I forgot how you're supposed to pronounce it, but super, super small list of games that most I never heard of, and I don't think anyone's crying over. No. I mean, Hitman goes an iPhone game, uh, if you guys really want to play that. But, uh, so what do you think of this? We're finally getting some backwards compatibility information. I'm surprised they kept the secret so long, because this is some of the stuff that Xbox has been really pushing where they're like hey you're gonna play backwards compatibility but your games are gonna also play better naturally yeah no I obviously it's a good thing yeah obviously and uh are you torn up about any of these games not being uh, compatible you know i really did have like a strong penchant to play joe's diner on my ps5 <laughs> i wanted to see it with that 120 you know frames per second but uh, uh no, i mean obviously no one's playing these games um so I did wonder though, like for the few, like the small developers who are responsible for these games, who have developed these games, I'm really curious to know what the small development related issues are where they can't get it running on the next gen console. That's, I'm just a curiosity on my part. Like what is wrong with these games that they don't run when they were able to get like thousands of other games running? That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, none of these games. Yeah. I'm, I'm obviously thurston to go play uh the backwards compatibility kind of suite and offerings that the playstation 5 is offering is pretty much the form that i was hoping it was going to take which is basically just handle it how xbox did so be able to play last gen games with small boosts here and there and depending on the level of optimization at the low end you get a little bit of a resolution boost on the higher end you get performance boosts and it seems like they're going to be handling this very very well um I saw uh, some people getting on them. It's like, wow, Sony still can't do, you know, proper backwards compatibility. And I'm like, a list of like 10 games is not, you know, saying a bad approach to to backwards compatibility. And I guess it's because Mm -hmm. comparing to Xbox, PlayStation released a list of games that won't work on their next console. Where on the other hand, Xbox releases a list of every game that does work. Yeah. But if you compare them, there's actually probably going to be way more games that play on the PS5 than backwards compatible necessarily with Xbox. They just have a different approach to the marketing of it. Um, yeah, like when you went onto the Xbox One thing, they didn't release a list of all the 360 games that didn't work. No, they released a list of a smaller list of the 360 games that do work. So it, it's kind of like uh, just changing the way that I guess you look at it. But no, this is really, really good. As long as you get all the major first party and third party stuff working, I'm happy. That, that's all I want is just make sure all the, your stuff works and all the major stuff that I'd want to go back to work. So obviously you want the Assassin's Creed, you want all these 
annualized franchise mm-hmm. games working. But I mean, a couple indie games here and there, and small things that specifically has been some time before they come out. I'm not mad at if it was if these were one of the more you know new games that came out this year or something like that. Okay, that that might be an issue. Yeah, that'd be weird. Yeah, or if it, if it was a first party thing, that would be an issue. But I mean, a Sh- Shadow Complex remaster. Like I like Shadow Complex, but I'm like okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm like yeah, I'll get over it. Um, yeah, so I, I like that. I do like their approach, and that's one thing people kept ignoring. They're like, well, Xbox, not every 360 game is compatible with yeah. an Xbox One. Here, practically every PS4 game I have, I don't think I own any of these, obviously. Um, every PS4 game I have will play on my PS5 even better, which is exciting because, you know, I still like to jump into Tony Hawk, and I'm glad that I didn't mess up and not get it on Xbox or whatever. And we were so worried about what that 1% is. Now that we know what that 1% is, it's really not even a story i'm in the same boat where i'm like what about these games make it that they don't work um where i just don't know what that well i wonder what the criteria was where they're like yeah this just doesn't work but that whole thing where xbox is marketing you know oh thousands of games available at launch you know including your xbox one games sony has that now too you know it's like four thousand ps4 games they're like they work day one tentatively on ps5 so we're starting to, the, the scales are starting to balance here now because people, I guess, were assuming is it going to be just first party stuff and not downloadable titles. So it's exciting to know that games I'm not done with playing, I will be able to just hopefully just get into it on my PS5 and keep playing them. And also, it makes it easy that once these systems come, because of how huge they are, I can pack up my PS4 and my Xbox One or put them on a shelf, make them look nice, and I don't need them there to play one or two games that i'm still playing so overall really good news finally getting some good news from sony they're taking their time but at least it's positive stuff yeah at this point it's it's mostly just kind of the ui that we're waiting for i think at this point yeah 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 because even those uh i think we talked about last week the people who the, the japanese influencers that have it i guess their ps5s override the ui so like the games play automatic which is like a really weird thing but the things they choose to be secretive about, I'll never quite understand. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming they're holding out for like one last, I always call them directs, but one last like video shoot, like launch shoot to show everything. So hopefully that's the case. Yeah, hopefully October. I mean, you guys are really playing it close to the chest if you're going to show the UI off for the first time the same month that you're launching the console. Yeah, I'm assuming, and I guess they're trying to keep bad, if, it, if it's not that they just some reason don't want to show it yet or they're trying to do one big push i'm thinking it may just be very very similar to the ps4 ui and not much to show off yeah not much to show off or because even xboxes was very similar to their current one but yeah they're like, oh. cleaned up streamlined yeah so i'm like well that would be okay just just get it out of the way now <laughs> yeah and i'm actually looking at the date right now yeah it's october 11th today we're a month out Almost exactly. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Almost exactly. We're four weeks yeah, out. Yeah, because the tenth and, and we the twelfth. So. Yeah, we don't have the UI, and we we so we saw you know we saw the system get deconstructed, but <clears throat> no UI. I'm like I would have I would have preferred to see the UI instead of them unscrewing all the circuit boards and stuff. But but look you know, at that so, heat sink though. What a large boy. <laughs> so big. All right, so I guess we could jump into the next story, and this was definitely a big controversy this week. I saw people losing it online, so yeah, uh, lots to unpack here. So, File Five Games has announced that apart from the content that has already been submitted, there will be no more production on Indivisible following the controversy surrounding developer Lab Zero Games. File Five Games released a statement that clarifies this unfortunate decision, revealing that there will be no guest characters or backer-created characters added to the game, even though they were previously promised. And there was actually a really, really awesome list of like different characters from different yeah, indie I games and stuff it. like that. Uh, the troubles surrounding Lab Zero Games were brought public earlier this year as multiple employees resigned following inappropriate behavior and abuse from studio head Mike or Mike Z Zymont. So yeah, there was a lot of controversy about specifically this guy. And, and all the trouble he was causing. And then it seems like there's going to actually be kind of a ripple-down effect uh, from what 505 Games is going to be releasing on behalf of Lab Zero Games, uh, which is really, really rough. Now, I love Indivisible, but this is not a game that I had continued playing after beating it. But uh, it's a real shame that this is not going to be able to happen. Uh, not to mention, all these characters being added in would definitely have been something to get me back into the game. 
So the mm. fact that like the main character of like Guacamele and Shovel Knight and stuff like that won't be in it is uh really sucks and it really sucks for all the people who, you know, very actively play this game and maybe all the developers who put a lot of work into it. So ha- had you heard about the story? So I I had heard uh, a while cuz it was a few months ago that I heard about the Mike uh the Mike Z story about him uh, abusing i'm not gonna get into the details of you know abusing some of the people at the <clears throat> studio and stuff like that and make them very uncomfortable so i knew th- that was kind of in the works of like kind of getting at him and stuff like that i'm surprised it went to this extent where they're like well that's it we're gonna drop it. i'm like oh that's kind of rough because this game was uh backer created to my understanding and i don't know if it was specifically kickstarter but you know they had their goals and things like that so it's interesting to be and it's very sucky and I'm sure they didn't want to do this. They're like, hey, listen, we know we promised you this, this. You may have donated for this specific reason and for this character and all this promised content that we were working on, but we have to scrap it all. That's it. It's done. Whatever's in process, whatever's already submitted. I think they said there's going to be one more patch, I think, by the end of the month. And they're like, that's kind of it. And it's that sucks. You know, this is such a bad thing like it's such a horrible thing not not for everyone because obviously they you know invisible i haven't completely played yet i remember playing the beta a long long time ago and i jumped into it because i think it's on game pass yeah so, it is. yeah it is right all right so you know i did play a good chunk of it so i'm just surprised i mean it's terrible because people's passions are on the line people all that stuff that was on the line and people were really excited to do is now scrapped and this is obviously going to keep going forward for the stuff that's not been announced and anything else that you know mike z has already had hands on and so it it is a terrible story and it sucks that one guy and i'm sure there might be other people that really just mess this up for everyone in a sense so i I did hear about it and i i mean my i mean my thoughts out to the you know 505 and you know everyone else you know the developers and people who weren't being idiots you know people who weren't being jerks about this whole thing and just was trying to make a fun game it sucks like this is where they have to leave it now yeah and i i saw a lot of confusion specifically about like what's happening like why did 505 make this call and when you understand ip ownership it starts to make a little bit more sense so from what i understand is after the whole controversy happened a lot of his studio resigned and Mm -hmm. ip ownership immediately resorted to him so he owns the likeness of of Indivisible for, and I believe this is also the developer who made Skullgirls, if I'm not mistaken, as well. Correct, that's correct. Um, and so, from what I understand, the rest of the devs left, and they're making their own team to continue making all those products. So we're definitely going to see art from these guys, but it seems like unfortunately this IP is just going to be locked up with this one guy, yeah, who really did screw up everything about this. So it's a really unfortunate, weird situation where. If you understand IP ownership and who owns what, and now the fact that he doesn't have his entire development team for him, co- releasing supplementary content for this is not really an option, as even if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. Besides the bad PR and stuff like that, there's just the manpower is no longer there. So yeah, it's a really, really unfortunate, weird situation that uh, I'm sure is going to evolve more. I'm sure there's going to be lawsuits. I'm, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of weird things happening related to this. It's just a shame that it kind of has to surround such a brilliant project like Indivisible. So, Yeah, unfortunately. I wonder what other IPs... So Skullgirls has never got a true sequel. They've always added on to it. Yeah. There's always been sort of mumblings that they're going to do some sort of sequel. I don't know what that looks like now. Does he, you know? Does he own that IP? So now they have to make a spiritual successor or whatever to that. And it's... This is a very messy situation that I'm sure nobody wanted to do and no one wanted to be in this kind of situation. No, not at all. And it's, it's just crazy to see the kind of like actions of one person affect so many people. It's so unfortunate. Yeah, it's terrible. Absolutely terrible. Alright, so next story. PS5 cross-gen saves. Support is up to the developers. Now, this has been a while now that there's been very big confusion on the whole Sony cross-gen save support that your save won't cross over to your ps5 version especially the games that give you free ps5 versions and so sony's again finally came out to clarify uh, via the blog post that the cross save from ps4 to ps5 is up to developers to ensure the feature is supported uh the quote is as follows 
Please note that the ability to transfer game saves between a PS4 version and a PS5 version of the same game is a developer decision and will vary title by title for cross-generational games. Sony has also confirmed that players will also be able to transfer their saves between consoles using a LAN connection, Wi-Fi, or the cloud save which you get with your PlayStation Plus membership. It's clear that there is a some hurdle when transferring saves that requires work on the developer side, as evidenced by the recent games, uh, Yakuza 7, or sorry, <laughs> Yakuza Like a Dragon and Dirt 5 both coming out very clear saying that it does not support the cross-save. So it was really weird to see this going on where, because for a while, again, we've been hearing, especially again, Yakuza and Dirt being like, yeah, you guys will have to restart your game again on that version. We can't transfer the saves. And everyone assumed that was just PS5 straight up doing it because then there was an issue with the Spider-Man. They said, no, it won't cross over. And then Insomniac came out saying, yeah, it crosses over. I don't know what everyone else is talking about. It's. I wonder what hurdle... Sony's always had this weird issue technology-wise where it's like, hey, you know, you guys have to go in there and, and do this extra effort to make your game saves transfer over. I wonder how big of a, a hurdle that really is and how much work... Because, you know, sometimes these teams are, you know, limited staffed and working on multiple projects and have it be... For them have to, you know, get a group of people and be like, hey, work it so that we can transfer saves. And it's, it's a weird situation. I'm surprised how many people are still hung up on this. If you really like the game, and I understand putting all your work away, just replay it. You know, there's certain games where i am been wanting to replay. And if I can't move my save over to PS5, it's fine. I'll just replay the game. But I do understand for some of these other games. So Yakuza is the big one. Dirt 5, again, I don't. It's a racing game. Um, Yakuza, these are games that you put in hours and hours and hours, very much like a Persona and stuff like that, where some people really sink in, excuse me, 30, 40 hours, and I understand the upset where it's like, well, now I want to get the new system, but now I can't transfer my 40 hours. I'm not replaying a game for 40 hours. So, were you, uh, what were your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, Sony's approach to cross-saves didn't surprise me at all. It, it, and I kind of connect it to the whole cross-play situation where it's like yeah. they seem willing to set up the tech, but they're not willing to do the heavy lifting on it. And I'm not going to say one way or another that they should. I understand there, there's complications. I'm not a developer. I don't necessarily under the, understand the tech, but Sony definitely has that kind of stance. That's like, listen, we're going to give you the ability to do these things, but whether or not it's going to work on your game is up to you and you do the work and you figure it out. And I'm sure there's resources internally that they can help you with that process, but it's very clear that they're not going to mandate this or anything like that where they're like, hey, if you want to be on the PlayStation 5, your saves need to cross over. They're not willing to go through all that because it's just kind of needlessly excommunicating certain publishers that I'm sure they don't want to have problems with. So it's like, yes, and then sometimes you could chalk it up to not having the manpower for it. Some people you could chalk it up to probably just lack of willingness and lack of not really thinking that it's worth the effort uh, to to have, you know, cross-save as a possible thing. I think it's an... It should become an industry standard in this kind of era going forward where consoles are becoming more and more PC-centric, which means that there's going to be marginal increases of power, but everything kind of works everywhere, especially in the Xbox ecosystem where you could play it on the Xbox One X or the One S or the Series X or the Series S, and you could just play it at different scalable levels. I think it's important that when you have a game that can jump from console to console, that I think it's important that you have all the data surrounding that game be able to be as malleable and move around the same way. So I think going forward, this has to become industry standard. I think on this the this generation, the people who don't allow cross-save is probably going to be fewer or the minority, if anything. Uh, I, I expect all the first-party developers, at least on Sony's side, to be supporting this in some capacity, especially if they have uh, games that from last generation that you know people are going to be playing going forward. And the first thing I think of is like God of War, for example. When God of War comes out next year sometime, unless it gets booted to 2022, you know a lot of people are going to be booting up the first one to refamiliarize themselves with that game. Uh, and so to think, like, there's definitely going to be some kind of cross-save there, too. Not to mention... Obviously, we saw cloud saving being so common this generation that it's not really a complicated thing. So I don't necessarily understand why some people are like, it's we're not supporting cross-saves. I don't know, uh, but it doesn't surprise me at all that Sony's not like really sticking their head out really and mandating that people do it. It doesn't surprise me. Yeah, again, it's such a mixed bag where it's like, is it more like the vocal minority that's up in arms about it? Oh, so upset about it. I, I get, you know. Yakuza comes out not for us 
I want to say it comes out in the winter, right? It's not even this year. Yakuza comes out for us. I'm, I'm, like I'm a Dragon, I'm pretty sure is this year. Let me check. So, yeah, or or I may be confusing with like the PS5 version that comes out in March. So okay, yeah, the PS5 version is set to launch in March. Ah, okay, that's why I'm confusing it. So. But we're getting the regular, uh, the regular current gen version on November tenth, so it's probably it's gonna launch with the Xbox. Oh, so two. Uh, okay, so I I see that I now I, I kind of see the issue with that one because again, just because I know how much I mean I haven't gotten too too into the Yakuza games. I know you can speak a little bit more to that. I understand these are like some bigger time sinks and stuff like that. Yeah. So I I see the upsetness. I mean, is it that much work? Unless you're gonna sell your hardware. Well, no, you can't because. If, comes out two, like three days before the system just keep your ps4 hooked up for a little bit it's yeah. not the craziest situation um so i i get it you know just don't or don't start it on your ps4 can you wait three days and get it on your ps5 and you just play it backwards compatible that way you know there's way more easy solutions than just not i i guess it's more for the people who upgrade later later to yeah, I think of PS5 stuff like Dark like Souls that, but... are going to cause an issue. Witcher, people who like put like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours into games that are not mm-hmm. like server based. Yeah, yeah, that's I, I not I, like I I get it, but it's like you have other options that won't make it that difficult. Your PS4 is not going to just not work November twelfth. Uh, it's that's it's not what's going to happen. So, like if I was in the middle of something, I'm like, oh, that's a bummer. I can't bring it over. But is it really to the point where I need to? freak out i i don't think so but again we'll, we'll see who really takes advantage of this and how difficult it really is is it really just limited to a small handful of games yeah i mean hey developer? if it means that much to you i guess just play on xbox um everything's yeah. going to kind of work across that ecosystem it's pretty much the same hardware just stronger so yeah, I mean, Yakuza's not exclusive anymore, so... Yeah, so play it on Xbox if you want, or mm-hmm. uh, if, you, if you're if really intent on playing on PlayStation 5, wait till March. If you don't really care that much, you have from now, uh, November till March to, to get it done. So there's a couple different <laughs> options available for you. Uh, I know Yakuza's are really long. The, uh, Persona was a good example. Like, even if you just mainline the story, it's going to take you 25 conservatively. Yeah. Like very conservative. Realistically, realistically, if you get into that world and into the side quests and stuff like that, easy 60 to 90 hours, very easy. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, yeah, again, we'll have to see which games are most affected. Yeah, hopefully this is a very limited edition, uh, you know, issue and or maybe even something that's limited, but timed. So they'll figure it out eventually. And, you know, by the midpoint of the generation, you don't see anybody having this problem. So things can change. Yeah, all those Dirt 5 people are really going hurt to the, hurt the sales of the PS5. All right, so I guess we could jump into the last story, and this is about Microsoft uh, reportedly bringing xCloud to iOS in 2021 via a direct browser-based solution. Now, obviously, there's been a lot of controversy and a lot of issues mm-hmm. between the Apple Store and cuts and compatibility with different services specifically cloud services that don't have a monetization strategy that syncs up with what apple likes to be able to take their cut in terms of taking cuts from every individual purchase so it was a whole long controversy and xbox is just one of the many people being affected by this uh, so Microsoft is reportedly working on a direct browser-based solution that will allow it uh, to bring its cloud gaming service, service previously known as Project xCloud, to iOS and iPad OS devices in 2021, according to Business Insider and The Verge. Now, this is reported. This is not a direct statement from uh, Xbox as of right now, so that's important worth noting. Uh, Phil Spencer allegedly revealed the news during a recent internal all-hands meeting. He stated, we absolutely will end up on iOS. Uh, we'll end up on iPhones, iPads with Game Pass, which doesn't surprise me. I knew they were going to figure out a way somehow because obviously iOS is not some small ecosystem. Like, And I don't know specifically the market capital percentages of who owns more and what, but I mean... It's at least 50-50 in terms of the people on Androids versus mm-hmm. Apple. So you don't want to just have one of those player base. I knew they were going to figure out something some way. Um, and, I mean, listen, Apple's in the courts right now fighting with, what is it, Epic? 
about their 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 splits right now and the way they, they deal with all these services. So they're they're already having their hands full with stuff. It wasn't gonna. I knew Microsoft was gonna find some way uh, to figure. Yeah. It. So browser based is very interesting. It looks like they're probably just I guess gonna bypass the App Store in its entirety. Um, browser based is not what I anticipated them going towards, but uh, we'll, we'll see how it ends up. I just thought it was worth. Noting that, hey, Microsoft's looking for a way to get it on your device some way. Yeah, my only thing. So I'm, I'm out. I have an iPhone currently, and I, it sucks that I can't be using XCloud because it's part of my, you know, Ultimate Game Pass and stuff like that. And I would love to use it right now. It, and I was, I think I've talked about it before in the quote-unquote beta test of it. So I, I have run. We were limited. To, we were limited just to uh, Halo Master Chief Collection. Okay. But it ran great, so it works. Obviously, that wasn't browser-based. You had to like, you had to do a lot. You had to download a lot of stuff um, to even get to it. Be, yeah, the iOS version it. was a little bit more complex from what I. Understand. Yeah, you had to download first. You had to get an invitation, download Test Flight, which then gave you a streaming app, which looked like a little cartwheel, and then Jeez. so we never even technically had Game Pass. Um, okay. There was no Game Pass app, so it works. So and then obviously the way Apple was like, oh, you got to submit every game. I'm like, oh man. I think it'll be too late because I'm already considering and I'm like 90% like uh, chosen that I'm going to switch to an Android device for my phone so I can, amongst other things, but also so I can play my, you know, games. It'll be crazy that once I get my Series X and and I won't be able to stream certain games to my phone because I happen to have an Apple phone and... I just already can tell, I already feel that this whole browser-based thing is not going to work well because you're already streaming. On top of that, now you need to stream on top of having the browser open, which is a constant connection. So that's double constant connections. So it's, I just don't see how well that works. I could be surprised. Who knows? But I think, you know, they just they just say generically 2021. Um, I'm very impatient when it comes to that when the fact that I know right now I could be streaming some of my games to my phone while I'm not home and all this other stuff... I think unless this comes out very soon, 2021, which knowing Apple, uh, it's not going to be very soon. We don't even have Fortnite anymore on mobile. So it's just, it, I know there, I knew there was, this was obviously, like you said, iPhones are such a big community, uh, iPads, all that kind of stuff. So obviously there's going to be a solution. I just don't know if the solution is going to work to the way they want. On top of that, Apple can also just come through and just put another wrench in the sock, you know, just really screw this up because I know, again, browser base kind of overrides them and well, are they going to start getting upset and what what does that look like? Apple's just so weird sometimes and they just aren't always the con- most consumer friendly. I mean, are, these are, again, these are the people who took away a headphone jack. So it's just, you got to really, really watch out for them. Yeah, it's. I think it's ultimately going to be one of those things where it's like they might find a solution to make this run to some capacity it might not run the best but it's probably eventually going to be one of those things that kind of like the pc market like hey if you're a gamer then yeah you're probably not going to get a mac if you like to really if you like modular pcs and playing around with a bunch of stuff mac is probably not for you so it's probably going to be the same thing with the phones that's like listen if you want a lot of cloud mm-hmm. phone-based gaming and stuff like that uh, it doesn't look like the iPhone's going to be for you. You probably just go with Android. But there's a lots of different reasons to get the iPad. It's lots of different reasons to get the iPhone or the, the iMac. So it, it's kind of just going to go down to preference. I think the phone space is kind of just going to end up morphing into what the PC space is, which is depending on what you're using the device for will kind of dictate what device you go towards. Yeah, and, and again, it's just... Well, I guess it's, it's it's almost like that wait and see. It's like, well, Microsoft wants to do it, but who knows how long it's going to take. Yeah, they're, uh, Apple's very obviously in like a moment of flux but on their ecosystem right now in terms of like their mm-hmm. app store and the way they're going to monetize things going forward. And it's one of those things where it's kind of like a coin flip as to like who's going to prevail. Like is, is Apple going to be able to make everybody bend the knee or is everybody going to find a way to bypass Apple? I, I don't know. I can't predict that. These are all massive companies with crazy mm-hmm. lawyers and billions of money going, you know, dollars going yeah, into this that like for sure, yeah. I there's no way I could even predict what direction things go weird. I'm sure they're going to just have some fi- way to play around with the splits that, you know, is financially beneficial for all parties involved. I don't think anybody's ultimately going to get up on anybody and and burn anybody in the process because again, these companies are too big. 
this is not some tiny little mom and pop shop versus Nintendo, like those kind of things. Like this is, yeah. these are these are the titans fighting right now. So all we can kind of really do is stand back and wait and hope for all the Apple users that they come to some conclusion that will be able to, you know, offer you guys these great services on your, your devices. Yeah, yeah, sounds great. Hopefully. So I guess we can jump into a loose topic that I'm actually really, really excited about. And basically, mm-hmm. we're just going to be talking about our favorite year in video games. So basically, we're going to choose a year. Uh, what were the great games that came out that year? Were there any notable console releases or major events that happened that year? And then we'll have like a couple of notable mentions of other years that we thought are also worth consideration. So, Steve, what is your favorite year in gaming? All right, hold on. Got to get my, my notepad out because this, this was a fun one because it, yeah. it was such a trip down memory lane so so i'm st- I still so i have two main favorite ones and i'm just trying to really decide so even though it's way sooner than obviously we love our retro stuff and, I, and don't worry i have a notable ma- mention uh for a year which almost knocked out one of these for for my favorite but i have to give and it's such a weird one because it's not that long ago but actually it was already a decade ago so 2010 yep i got you yeah. Is that a a mention for you? Or? Yes, it's a notable mention. All right, because I don't feel bad taking it. So, Excellent. 2010. 2010. I did not realize how packed this was. So, at this point, I'm a junior, I want to say, in high school. So, it's such a weird uh, attempt to think. But this is the year that gave us a lot of sequels, in a sense. But they were the revolutionary sequels. So, so the ones that people remember the most. So, obviously, you know, we got Mass Effect, I think, back in 2007. But 2010, we got Mass Effect 2, which most people hold to be the best Mass Effect so far, um, except those Andromeda fans. But um, <laughs> but this is the year that gave us, you know, Mass Effect 2, Red Dead Redemption, Fallout New Vegas, which, again, is held as, like, the best Fallout to this day. Call of Duty Black Ops, now that's a personal one for me because that's the best Call of Duty in my opinion. Mario Galaxy 2, Halo Reach, which Halo Reach, again, one of my is like my favorite Halo, obviously. Also, the last one we got from Bungie. This is also when I started appreciating indie games because Limbo was out and I like really connected to Limbo, so I was super excited for that. Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, which is held as one of the best Assassin's Creed games, even though two is kind of you know itching in there. But this is also when we started getting them every year. Um, Battlefield Bad Company two, which Bad Company is the battlefield everyone keeps asking EA to go back to. Obviously, it's not going to happen at this point, so R.I.P. God of War 3 came out, Alan Wake, Heavy Rain, Donkey Kong Country Returns on the Wii, Castlevania Lord of Shadows, and also my last one I have on there was uh, Sonic All-Stars Racing, because you guys know me. I don't even have to get into that one. So, so you know, when I was looking into the years, I was really trying to see like what was coming out, what was a constant hitter, because we've grown to almost be accustomed to multiple good games and then like three really big games like in 2018 you know like the three games were god of war spider-man and detroit i want to say it was like was it detroit i think so yeah those were like those big staples that like people were you know sony was really pushing xbox unfortunately didn't really have anything but uh i wanted to see what year was a consistent just really great games and in 2010 i was finally really to be in the ecosystem i want to say i worked all summer to get a PlayStation 3 at the time, and I was able to really experience some of these games. So, I obviously, after catching up, you know, Mass Effect 2 was my first experience into Mass Effect. I never had played one. I didn't have a system to play one, obviously, a PC or a 360. And Mass Effect 2 was the only Mass Effect on PlayStation 3 anyway. So, it was really exciting to see these different worlds and see what gaming had become. Because for a long time, I was at that point, I was playing on PS2 games. I was playing ports uh on a ps2 so i was playing whatever call of duty was coming out on ps2 which was uh not the best stuff but to see like games really step it up in every single aspect to see games who were coming out and really just changing it up to this day these games are still being talked about red dead redemption fallout new vegas you know black ops and and halo reach are always being held up as some of the best you know shooters the best storytelling the best games in general to the point that they're you know they were getting xbox one x updates when they were coming out on xbox you know when you were playing the old red dead and stuff like that peace walker (laughs) birth by sleep skate three like 2010 is crazy yeah that's right birth by sleep which is 
pretty much my favorite Kingdom Hearts game. I want to say besides two, you know, easily for so, me. Yeah. So it's just in this. There's an insane amount. I didn't have enough paper space to write <laughs> how many games came out in 2010 because that's not even including like the mobile stuff that was coming out. Oh yeah, that's all console stuff. Yeah, you know the PSP. You know the PSP was. I want to say this was like the real final year for PSP, uh, and they were coming out. Yeah, it's the la- it's the latter years because the Vita came out what 2012, something like that. 2012, 2013. So like you were saying, Peace Walker and Birth by Sleep, which is which was Peace Walker. I'm a little less on, but you know, Birth by Sleep was was fantastic that was a console experience game like you were getting true artworks true games that were like still stick to me like some of these games i mean look at just look at mario galaxy 2 people are still up in arms that we can't play mario galaxy 2 right now that's a decade old game now obviously nintendo's just being jerks about that but yeah they're unique you know know, alan wake is on the verge of making a comeback i haven't again i haven't played the dlc for control but that's such an such a game that's still being brought up because it's so good it's so like i don't want to say perfect but people just connect like these games just bring me back and connect me to a time where it's like i was playing these games not only for fun but for story for characters for experience yeah mafia 2 i think came up that year too i want to say mafia yeah because i'm pretty missed it but it could be Mafia 2... Yeah, 2010, August 23rd. Look at look at that. Look at that. Tremendous. Again, there's, like I said, there's too many games to have on the list. Tremendous. So that that's that's one of my favorite years in video games because even though there was no re, you know, console release... Actually, I think the PS3 Slim, which is like the best model, may have come out at that time, but... The Slim, not the Grill, right? No, not that. That one's dumb. Okay, Not okay. the dumb... Not the slidey one. <laughs> the slidey not the slidey You're the one. only one who I know who ever got that. Yeah, I kept. Well, yeah, yeah, I did that because it was the I red was grill, the red grill, which all the dust got in the slots. Yeah. So, but I want to say, yeah, not the super slim. But they did the nice slim gotcha, one, which the is slim. the one I oh, got. Oh yeah, I love that one. I remember, I had to go to, like Sam's Club or something because nobody had it. That <laughs> one's a beautiful one. I still want one of those. Yeah, I still want to get one of those because I have my piano one. I want to. I want to track one of those down. Yeah. I might so that's know. that's one of my favorite years. I had I had to place it down, and I had another one which was like again I had a '90s one and I had another. One that was like really close. Um, before I go into mot- notable mentions, though, I want to hear one of your favorite years. Yeah, yeah, we can alternate. Um, yeah, we'll do an alternate. So my favorite year I chose, and it's probably going to come to a surprise to specifically you, because again, I play so many so many games from the '80s and early '90s. Uh, but I was kind of running through all the different years that in my head immediately came up to me, like what was a really good year for me, and then I ran through it, and I, actually, my favorite year in gaming has to be 2001. Now, I'm going to read off some of the games that came out this year, and you're going to understand immediately why I think it's one of the best years in gaming. So, GTA 3, Halo, Melee, Jack and Daxter, Sonic Adventure 2, Metal Gear Solid 2, Final Fantasy X, SSX Tricky, DMC, Twisted Metal Black, Animusha, Advance Wars, RuneScape, Paper Mario, Pokemon Crystal, Luigi's Mansion, the Game Boy Advance is launched, the GameCube releases, and the Xbox releases. So can you tell me that 2001 is not one of the best gaming years ever? I Man, I, you know, I didn't really... Again, this was Holy a hard one, crap. this subject. But my goodness, all that I did not realize that was all... And I double-checked it because I was year. like, there is no way. And I, I looked for every single one. I was like, wait, what? And I looked. Wait, what? And I looked. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. Like, 2001 is insane because it was one of those periods where just everything was happening at the same time. Where Nintendo was... They were launching their multi-pillar strategy with the whole like uh, handheld working with your your the main console. The GameCube was coming out. PlayStation uh, was had already. I'm pretty sure launched the PS2 by that point. Mm. Um, but yeah, Xbox had was jumping into the fray, so they came out with Halo and stuff like that. Melee was killing. Like it, it's insane. So like I was I was going back and I was like, this is easily. The, I couldn't find a year that was even close to this one. And then there was other ones that I really liked. But, uh, yeah, 2001 is absolutely insane. Yeah, I mean, you, things were getting revolutionized at the same time, you know, at that time. Because, like you said, Xbox and GameCube, they came out, you know, with automatically four control, you know, s- slots. And PlayStation, you had to go get a multi-tap and stuff like that. Xbox had a hard drive in there. You Like, you, you didn't need a memory card. GameCube, you did. But, you know, things were changing. That wasn't a thing you know memory cards just knowing your games are going to be saved getting discs for games it's just such a good year i did not know that it all that was in the same year yeah it's crazy right? i would 
if, if I would have noticed, that probably would have been my year. I would have been like, yeah. Yeah, on. I was reading this, I, and I, I was can... like, this is definitely Steve's year. I was like, I, I shouldn't take it, but I was like, but I don't know if he knows. This is such a low-key year that a lot of people don't realize all this yeah. happened. Which is crazy, because I got my Xbox for Christmas that year. So you th- you know, so I was there. I got that for Christmas. My brothers, one got a PS2 and one got a GameCube, and I was always like so excited because at the time, we, I think all three of us shared one room, so we had all three systems in one room. So we had one guy playing Spiral, one guy playing I don't know SOCOM or something weird, and I'm over here playing Halo and and Big Mother Truckers. So it's just what a year, what a time. Yeah, because you're basically I, I, one of the few times in history where you had four people pumping out major games because obviously playstation was already in the ps2 era they launched in 2000 uh xbox had just fresh came out so they're trying to establish themselves so they come out with halo nintendo's an established franchise n64 was kind of a rocky place so they're like we need to get our stuff together so obviously like paper mario is there too so they're doing their n64 thing but they had games like melee which to this day is one of the best i don't know if you want to call it arcade fighters of all time Mm -hmm. And don't forget, in 2001, at that point, uh, Sega was still holding on for dear life. So the Dreamcast was still doing its thing. It, it obviously didn't end up the best for them. But yeah, that, you still have, had Sonic Adventure doing their thing. So like everybody was uh, firing on all cylinders and trying to make their mark. And it was like a weird time for everybody where like PlayStation was still reaffirming like, hey, we killed it last generation. We could do it again. Plus, they were seeing insane support because of the DVD drive. They were the first one to have the DVD. So, like, it was just an insane time in history where everybody was either coming off a low or a crazy high and trying to dominate this generation. And because of that attempt to dominate this generation, we had just some of the best games from first-party releases probably ever to this day. Yeah, no, I completely understand. I completely, man, 2001, man, wow. <laughs> wow. Tell me about it. It really caught me off guard there. Um, so um, so I'll go into my notable mentions. So one, uh, just to roll the clock back a little bit, uh, 2007. Uh, okay. Was, uh, was, which I understand that the Xbox 360 technically launched in like 05. I don't think any, I never even saw it or really heard about it till about this time, only because of the games that were attached to it. So 2007 is the year that gave us Bioshock, Call of Duty Modern Warfare. So that's the Call of Duty that started this whole thing. Halo 3, Crisis, Portal. That's when the first Mass Effect came out. This is when Sony came out with Uncharted. So the last time we saw Naughty Dog was Jack and Dexter 3 or Jack Combat Racing. I don't remember which. It must have been Combat Racing. So this is the first time they really stepped up and changed their game up to Uncharted. Guitar Hero 3, Ooh. Metroid Prime 3, God of War 2, Skate, and the Witcher series started in this. And Mario Galaxy. I don't know if I skipped that. Oh, that's our era right there. So this is the era where we were really, I, I always say, really cognizant. So at this point, I was freshman in high school, so I knew what was going on. I was able to see videos online of, of these games and wishing. You know, I'm, I want to say my brother got a 360, I want to say, sometime that year. So I was able to really, you know, this was the first time I was buying 360 games, even though I didn't have a 360, just because I knew I could go across the street and play it at his house. So that's a, a big one for me. The other one, I had to roll a clock back to a little bit, even though it's it's the year I was born, so I wasn't there, so I couldn't really push it for, like, like it's one of my favorite years. But uh, 1993. Okay. So this is Doom, Mortal Kombat 2, Secret of Mana, Day of the Tentacle, Star Fox, Mega Man X, which is, I mean, come on, it's Mega Man guy. Mega Man X is my one of my favorite games of all time. This is when uh, Super Mario All Stars launched, and that's the version I got to play uh, mostly. Uh, Link's Awakening DX, which is the only was the first version of Link's Awakening I played. Yeah, Sonic too. CD, Zombies Ate My Neighbor, Shinobi Three was. 93 as well uh duck t- you know even if you get into the licensing stuff this is when we were getting the uh aladdin games this is when we were getting ducktales 2 shining forces 2 act razor fantasy star 4 nba jam was 1993 as well splatterhouse gunstar heroes you know jurassic park and you know you got some other stuff because i want you know it was weird because we also got Mega Man 6 the same year as Mega Man x so i just think it was such a constant like connection of like really good games that people still play to this day like how many people bring i mean star fox may not be the game i play constantly but it is cool to know that that was all the same year now obviously 
I was um, not even a year. I was, you know, not playing these games for whatever reason. But I never realized that some of these games that really are staples in gaming history were from 93. And it's like, man, if, if I was alive, you know, for some of these games I wasn't even alive for, what a year would have been to just constantly have all this stuff. Like the Battletoads Double Dragon crossover was that year as well. So I just wanted to give a quick shout out, not just because I was born in that year, but yeah. 1993 was uh, pretty dope. So what other uh, notable mentions do you have? Yeah, so one of them was obviously 2010, and you, you killed it on that one. So yeah, that, that, I had all the same mm-hmm. things uh, listed. Uh, I want to go super far back to 1988 now. And Ooh. now this one doesn't have the biggest quantity, but the names themselves are just beyond classic. So I got four for you here. Mm-hmm. So... Obviously, Super Mario Bros. 3, one of the best games of all time. Mega Man 2, one of my favorite yeah. Mega Mans. Ninja Gaiden came out that year. And also, Super Contra came out that year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, 88 is crazy. Uh, obviously, it was the point where Nintendo had, you know, saved the game industry from that game crash. Uh, and I felt like uh, the NES really started getting its traction around this time. Uh, obviously, yeah. the Black Label stuff are absolute classics from, you know, 86, 87. But I feel like 88 to 91, 92 is where the NES were just it was absolutely murdering it. And really, people were extracting the full power out of the machine and stuff like that. So, yeah, 88, one of my favorite personal years in gaming. Uh, the next one, funnily enough, is actually the year I was born, which is 1994. <laughs> uh, and 1994, we got Donkey Kong Country. We got Doom 2, which is my favorite Doom game. We have Earthworm Jim, Super Metroid, Earthbound, Final Fantasy VI, Sonic 3, System Shock, and Tekken. Ooh, I don't know. Tekken. Sonic 3 and Tekken was the same year. Because yeah. those are, obviously, I st- those are two franchises I, franchises I still play, you know, consecutively, right? Like, I was just playing Tekken 7 the other day, and Sonic, obviously, rehashed that, but I mean, Sonic my 3, goodness. Perfect. It's the only reason I really hook up my Genesis every once in a while. Yeah, so like 94 is just... 94 is, is a great year for media in general. Like the music scene mm-hmm. in 94 was really, really good. And, and movies, there was a lot of great 90, 94 movies. And so, yeah, I mean, gaming was just absolutely murdering it. And again, it's just... There's something to be said about when a console is released and has a little bit of time to get its, its legs going. And at this mm-hmm. point, we had fully transitioned into the 16-bit era. Uh, and it was just on the cusp but it had existed, but just on the cusp of going into the 3D era. So, the, and obviously, again, I have a lot of love for the 3D era. But those, like, 97 to 2000 games are a little clunky at times. A little bit. Yeah. Yep. So, this is kind of like, the, la- like the, the tail end of, like, that 16-bit era where the Genesis is going full steam ahead. The Super Nintendo are full steam ahead. And uh, we're, we're just getting tremendous games that, to this day, resonate really, really well. Because, again, these games age really well. Where a lot of the PlayStation 1 and 64 games are really hard with the controls and camera and stuff like that. And some of the visual stylings. So, we got games here that not only have brilliant visuals, great gameplay, but really, really great soundtracks, too. Because the sound chips on these 16-bit consoles are incredible, too. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, That's so 94... Incredible. In terms of one of the years that I play the most stuff from, it's probably around from here. Yeah, same as same as me. Like these are the stuff that because I was always such an, I was always like hand me down stuff. So I was always like the older gen. So it's great to think. So yeah, no, that was the stuff I was rocking back then. Yeah, and it's and funny that's the stuff you look that at really this, hooked me. If you look at the names of the major games from '94, uh, most most of these franchises are still very active. Like, Donkey Kong, I mean, Tropical Freeze wasn't too long ago. Doom, obviously, Eternal killed it. Mm-hmm. Super Metroid, we're still waiting for, but that's coming back. Final Fantasy 16 just got announced. Final Fantasy 6 was back then. Yeah. Sonic, it ain't going nowhere. Uh, System Shock, obviously, <laughs> is the spiritual predecessor to Bioshock. Yep. Which, I mean, I, inspires God knows how many games nowadays. And I think there's a System Shock reboot or... Remaster, remaster or something coming. coming yeah. out. And, and a sequel, I want to say. There's, like, a System Shock... Yeah three or four super underrated super underrated game a lot of people don't really because again it's it's one of those it was during the era where there was a hard line between pc centric experiences and console experiences Mm -hmm. and so back then like if you weren't in this pc space yeah you didn't know what system shock was going on but in retrospect going forward things are so melded up now where it's like a lot of experiences that you're getting only on the pc right now there's a lot of console equivalents to it so 
Yeah, absolutely. And then obviously Tekken. I mean, come on now. Yeah. So yeah, those those were my games. Two thousand one, two thousand uh yeah, two thousand one, nineteen eighty eight, nineteen ninety four, and two thousand ten were my years. Yeah, yeah. So I had twenty ten, ninety three, and oh seven were my mentions. And I'm curious to see going forward into the future, way into the future, if we ever do this topic again, if there is any like more super contemporary years that will break in. Because like yeah, 2017, yeah. 2018 were pretty crazy too. They were. It's it's nuts to think we were getting so many good games back then. I, I feel 2021 we might be. Uh, there's potential. Uh, there's potential. We might be spoiled because of so many things were delayed and pushed and stuff like that. 2020 was a solid year. But I think 2021, I don't know. There's something about it that I yeah. kind of got my eye on, you know, new hardware's here and stuff like that. Because 2017 yeah. was Breath of the Wild, right? Yeah, Breath of the Wild. Uh, I think Mario Odyssey yep. launched that year, too. Odyssey launched at the fall, I want to say. Yeah, the uh, very late. The Switch launched. You know, that was the Switch. That was Nintendo's comeback. Yeah, so. Horizon was there. Horizon, yep. So 2017 yeah. was a strong one, too. And 2018, obviously, like I was saying, had some of these, you know, gen-defying games. And I'm sure we're probably missing, you know, it's just also, it's, it's it's hard because, like, from 2012 to, like, 2015, there was a lot of just, like, trash being sent out as well, so it's, like, weird. But also we got the, you know, PS4, which is yeah fantastic. Yeah, and it's, it's one of those things. Well, I, first off, I'm sure there's someone out there having an absolute meltdown. It's like, what are you talking about? It's 76. Have you seen Pong? Like, yeah, I know, I know. I yeah. know, buddy. Yeah. Don't worry. I mean, you can put an argument for <laughs> like, the other one. What's the other one I wrote down? Like, oh, 09 was an interesting year. That's, the, you know, Batman Arkham Asylum. Yeah. Modern Warfare 2. Yeah, Modern 09 was a really good 2. time. Uncharted 2, Assassin's Creed 2. Ooh. The only thing, it was very sequelitis in a sense. Oh, yeah. Um, Resident Evil 5, Halo 3 ODST, you know, Infamous. That's a shooter Bayonetta. era. Yeah, big shooter era. Uh, also, 2009 was the release of Minecraft, which was, which I think is like the best-selling game ever. Yeah, so, one of them, yeah. So, it's... You know, there you can make an argument there, but again, that one was just like so many sequels, so it's like improving on the stuff that like broke the industry. Yeah, if there's one conclusion we could garner from all this is to have a best year. It's not something that can be done by any one single publisher. This is no. something that everybody kind of has to be on deck for, and everybody has to be killing it. Which again, that's why it, it makes me so excited for 2021, where there'll be fresh hardware out there. Uh, Nintendo is has these kind of staggered releases, so they're well into the Switch life now. So now we're we're probably going to get a lot of the the more ambitious Switch games going forward mm-hmm. in terms of what can actually be done on that hardware at the pushing it to its very limits. Uh, where the PlayStation Five already has a crazy lineup. We're going to get Horizon Two. We're going to get God of War Two, and then finally Microsoft's in a position where not only do they have really, really great hardware, and there's not that discrepancy where they're running things at a way you know lower resolution, like they had the problem with the the One X, but um, yep. they're going to be in a position where they have great hardware and they have all these teams they own. So yeah, we're going to get stuff from Obsidian, Bethesda. I mean, the Coalition. There's tons of different teams that they have available to them. So we'll have a Firm possibility that we'll have firm competition from all three of the major publishers. That puts us in a great position. Oh, sorry, four Atari VCS. But um, oh. my mistake. <laughs> I, I won't do that again. But yeah, man, that that was the loose topic. A great topic, yeah. and uh, I'm excited. I'm going to try to build off of topics like this because I think these are really really fun. Yeah, because they're good discussions. So I'm definitely gonna. Let's at least start looking into the topics like this as well. I'll send you a list. Beautiful. We can use the Steve list. Some of our best <laughs> loose loose topics come from your list. Yeah, I'm gonna make those. Yeah, I send for those listening. I send beefy lists of topics to Jabril. I'm like, yeah. yeah, like the first like I think like ten episodes, ten fifteen episodes were like all your topics. So yeah, yeah, good discussions. All right, so that was the Neo Vintage Podcast episode twenty six. We'll be back next monday with a brand new episode Mm -hmm. for you guys and we're going to be trying to play around and get more visual stuff to make it a little bit more engaging for you guys so keep your eyes out peeled for that and uh till next time this is jabril and i'm with steve hope you guys take care and that was the neo vintage podcast see you guys